0: Welcome to Huntersville Lutheran Sermon Webcast. We invite you to join us here for worship every Sunday at 10 a.m. Find out more at Huntersvillelc.com. Thank you for joining us today. Jesus is one of the most uh, divisive characters to ever walk this earth, and it doesn't take but a glance into history, both secular and biblical, to to see that point. Well, Jesus during Jesus' public ministry, while he walked this earth, he was one of the biggest causes of division among the Jews. Some followed him. Some hated him. Religious leaders condemned him as a heretic and a cult leader. Uh, a Roman governor even uh, condemned him as an enemy of the state. Now, you would think that the division that Jesus caused while here on this earth would, would have ceased or it would have at least lessened after he ascended into heaven. But it didn't lessen. In fact, it got worse. After Jesus ascended into heaven, his followers became known as Christians. A name that literally means little Christs. And in 64 AD, uh, there was a great fire that broke out in Rome, destroying nearly two-thirds of the city. It burned for days and days. And the guy who was in charge of Rome at the time, the emperor, his name was Nero. And he was a certifiably insane man. And Nero blamed the outbreak of this fire and all of the devastation and the destruction that it caused on Christians he created a three century long uh, opposition and and division and persecution against christians wars were waged against christians wars were waged in the na- in, in the name of jesus namely the uh, the crusades these holy wars to reclaim the holy land jesus is is probably the most divisive character to ever walk this earth and you don't just see it in the pages of history you see it in our world today don't you Jesus is a thing that divides. And one of the greatest causes of the division that that Jesus makes in this world is is when people listen to and hear the teachings that Christianity has to offer, the teachings that Jesus offers, and these teachings don't quite match up with the reality that people see in the world. Take the example of peace. People hear Christians teach and preach the fact that Jesus is to bring peace, that Jesus is the peace bearer, and yet when people look out at the world, what do they see? They see wars, they see killing, they see hatred, and they're divided. Divided against you, divided against Jesus, divided against all of Christianity. To a certain extent, these people are right to say that Jesus is supposed to bring peace. I mean, after all, that, that, that concept is laden in, all throughout Scripture. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, uh, announced this when he said the Messiah was to lead our, fat, our, our feet on paths of righteousness the angels announced it in the Judean sky when Jesus was born by saying glory in the highest and on earth peace to men. Simeon, the, the old priest, when he held eight-day-old, eight-day-old Jesus in the temple, said, Lord, do not let your servant depart in peace. Jesus even announced the fact that he, that he came to bring peace when, he, when that sinful woman anointed his feet while he was eating dinner with Pharisees. He said, you are at peace. When that sick woman touched Jesus while he was traveling with his disciples, he turned around and said, Peace you, peace is yours. The very first words that Jesus speaks to his disciples after the resurrection, do you guys know what it is? Peace be with you. Jesus is supposed to bring peace. But when people look out at this world and they don't see the peace that Jesus promises, they end up divided. And then you get to a statement like, the one that Jesus made to his disciples in Luke chapter 12 this morning. And you're kind of left scratching your head, wondering what in all the world to do with this. Jesus said to his disciples, I have come to this earth to bring fire. Do you suppose that I, I came to bring peace? I tell you, no, but division. From now on, uh, uh, five in a household will be divided against each other, five, or three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father Mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Kind of a harsh statement, isn't it? Kind of laden with law. And how in all the world are you supposed to reconcile these this seeming contradiction in what Jesus says? Because in one breath, Jesus says he is a peace bringer. And in the other breath, he says... I am the division creator. And so how in all the world are you supposed to reconcile this? Because people in this world, when they hear a statement like this from Jesus, when they hear a contradiction like this, what do they do? They point to this. They point to any other seeming contradictions, any other dichotomies that they, that they might think they can find in Scripture and say, see, your God lies to you. And they're divided. See, so your God can't be true because he says two different things about himself, two different things that can't seem to make sense. And so you are foolish. So how in all the world do you reconcile Jesus, the peace bearer, and Jesus, the division creator? Well, it comes from a proper understanding of the, the kind of peace that Jesus came to bring and what his purpose was here in this world. You see, Jesus didn't come into this world to, to bring an earthly kind of peace. He came into this world to create division, to be a dividing line among people, not among Christians, but to be the divider between believer and unbeliever, between the righteous and the wicked, and he promises this. he says, "I have come to bring fire, I have come to bring division." and it shouldn't surprise you at all that this, this kind of statement from Jesus doesn't sit well with people, and especially in, in a postmodern uh, society, where everybody wants to be accepted, where everybody wants to love and peace live in peace and love and happiness, where everything is supposed to be rose petals and unicorns, and they look for a, a kind of peace, an earthly kind of peace from Jesus. That is going to solve all of their sadness. That is going to solve all of their strife and their depression and their sickness and, and whatever other thing might be bothering them. But the problem is, the reality is that this is never the kind of peace that Jesus offers to, offers to give. People look for a kind of peace from Jesus that, that will stop wars and mass shootings that will that will get rid of any any sort of tension among families they look for a peace from jesus that's that's going to unite all humanity from every kind every walk of life that's going to bring prosperity on the earth but the problem is they can search for this kind of peace all of they want a peace that Jesus never promises to bring and when they don't find that peace do you know what people do people divided against Jesus do they condemn Christianity as a religion of lies and a religion full of liars. They're divided. When they look for a peace that Jesus never offers to give and they don't find it, they they condemn Christians as hypocrites saying that your God tells you to love, your God tells you to be peaceful, to love your neighbor as yourself. And yet when we look out at this world and we see Christians acting with one another, interacting with people of this world, do you know what we see? We see Christians who condemn a certain way of life. We see Christians who condemn things that they call sins but looks to be fine in the rest of the world. You guys aren't peace-loving. You guys don't love at all. In fact, you are hypocrites. A world divided against Christianity. When people look for a peace that Jesus never offers to give and they don't find it, they condemn all of Christianity and those who hold to the basic tenets of Christianity as people who are fools. Because when they look out at the world and they don't find the peace that they think Jesus should give, And they call him a liar. And they call anybody else who follows this religion a fool. This is the division that that Christians face in this world. It's a very real division that that we all see play out on a national scale in our world. And yet, by and large, we don't face this kind of blatant persecution, this opposition, and this division in our day-to-day lives. We are largely removed from it. That doesn't mean that there isn't division and opposition that you face. It's just not blatant like this. It's a little more subtle. You face this division that Jesus promises will come when you go and visit your family over the holidays like Christmas and Easter and and you have made up your mind because you are a faithful Christian that you're going to go and you're going to worship your God and King and yet you have those family members who don't want to do that. These family members who who will never go to worship or go at least very irregularly and they Condemn you for going. They say we can't believe we haven't seen you in two or three years, and you're going to waste an hour and a half of our time by going to worship. And then make sure you know it. You're divided. You face this kind of division when when you go and you hang out with friends. Maybe some of them are Christians. Maybe some of them aren't. And you're hanging out at a bar or a restaurant. In these, in your friends, as the night wears on, they indulge in alcohol and they keep indulging and indulging and and you're content staying under control because you know that drunkenness is a sin. And, and when they see you staying under control, they ply you. say, just have one more because it's not going to hurt you. Have one more because it's not going to do you any harm. And when you don't, what do they call you? They call you a prude. They call you a pietist. They call you a fun sucker. You live in a world divided. You face this kind of division when one of your best friends knows that you're a Christian knows that you spend three or four hours every single Sunday taking up, setting down, worshiping, volunteering for church in a number of different ways. And he doesn't often say anything, but, but he makes subtle jabs, subtle remarks to you. Like, I can't believe you would waste that much time because aren't there better things that you could be doing during the week? Aren't there better things that you could be doing on a Sunday morning instead of spending four hours working for church? That You could, you could be sleeping in, you could be going out to brunch with me and the rest of our friends, but instead you waste your time doing this. And those comments dig and they dig and they dig. You live in a world divided. And what often happens when when that division comes face to face with us? It sends our sinful nature reeling, doesn't it? I know it does for me. Because I don't like division. I don't like opposition. I want all of my relationships to be peaceful. I want all my relationships to work. I don't want there to be any fighting, be it among my brothers or among my friends or among the congregation. I just want things to work. And yet every time I get a door slammed in my face, every time I get a rejection at a coffee shop, every time I try to tell somebody about Jesus and they want to hear none of it, I take a step back. I pull back a little bit from what I'm supposed to be doing and my sinful nature. The minute that that happens, from the bowels of my sinful nature comes that question, is it all worth it? Is this the vision worth it? Sound familiar? Anything that like you faced in your life? Because I know you all face it in some way, shape, or form. And when you face it, your sinful nature does the same thing that my sinful nature does. It, it wants to say to you, Maybe the word is wrong and the world is right. Maybe this division isn't worth it at all. And the minute that you start to ask that question, understand that you are playing right into Satan's hands. Because Satan wants you to do this. Satan wants you to to look for something that Jesus never promised in all of the wrong places, in all of the wrong times, in all of the wrong ways. And when you don't find it, Satan wants you to become frustrated. He wants you to become angry with God. He wants you to have a heart that's divided against him. But friends, don't buy into, this, into Satan's half-truths and whole lies. There's no need. Because I want you to know that while Jesus doesn't promise you earthly peace, he does promise you a peace. A peace that far exceeds any sort of earthly peace that you could ever find. A peace, a, a peace that is far more powerful than any sort of earthly peace that you could ever imagine. It's a peace that repairs a relationship once divided and broken by sin. It's a peace that exists in heaven, a peace between you and between the holy, perfect God. And it's a peace that can only be found in God's Son. Just before Jesus spoke those words that I have come to bring fire on the earth, I have, come, I have not come to bring peace but bring division, Jesus said something rather pivotal. He said I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed I am until it is completed. A baptism that Jesus is talking about. It's a thing that he would use to win you peace. Because when God sent his son into this world, he sent him here with a singular mission with a singular purpose. And it wasn't to establish an earthly peace so that everybody could live in peace and love and safety and harmony and and everything be perfect. No, he came to establish a heavenly peace a peace that once existed between God and man, a peace that I talked about with the children's sermon this morning with the garden of Eden, a peace that was broken and shattered and lost by Adam in the garden when he disobeyed God. And the only way for this peace to be established, this heavenly peace to be founded is through the perfect obedience and through perfect sacrifice because that is what it took. And that is what it takes to satisfy the wrath of God that Mankind's sin kindles over and over and over again. When Jesus began his public ministry, he did so in the waters of the Jordan River with a man named John the Baptist. In those waters, he was baptized, and from that moment on, he not only started his public ministry, but he was placed under the wrath of God, that same wrath that humanity was under. And from that moment on, from the time he stepped out of the Jordan River, he set his eyes on Jerusalem, the very place where he would win and establish that peace for you because it is in Jerusalem that God sent his son to die on the cross. It is on Jerusalem's, on Jerusalem's hill, on that cross where, where God poured out the full wrath that he had against sin, the wrath that you and I deserve, but instead he placed it on his son so that you and I don't have to face it, so that you and I don't have to endure it. He placed that wrath On his son, abandoning him to the torments of death and hell. You understand what that means for you? Have you let that truth fully wash over you? Peace. Real peace. Jesus' death means that there is a peace that exists that is more powerful, more transformational. It is eternal. There is a real peace for you that exists between the holy, perfect God and you. And it's this peace that allows me every single week to stand up here and say without a shadow of a doubt, your sins are all forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's this peace that will enable me to say in just a few minutes when you take and eat and drink the body and blood of Jesus, your sins are forgiven and you are at peace with God. And it's this peace that enables you to believe it and enables you to cling to it. Because this peace is real for you. This peace is powerful. This peace is transformational. This peace is eternal. This peace is the very thing that makes a difference. And it's this peace, this peace that won you forgiveness, this peace that opened up heaven for you, that gives you every single confidence to walk through this world with joy Whenever you face division and opposition that the world throws at you, this peace, this real peace that Jesus gives you, understanding it helps to remove that false dichotomy that people, that people try to place on Jesus, that he can only be the division creator or the peace bearer. He's both. Because in the same breath, the same mouth spoke, I have come to give you peace and I have come to bring division. But that peace enables you to see that statement from Jesus, that I have not come to bring peace, I have come to bring division. It helps you to see it as a comfort because this is a preparatory statement for what your daily walk as a Christian in this world is going to be like. You see, the world, it's always seen the idea of peace through the cross as foolish. It's always seen the idea of the cross as as shameful and scornful and sadness It always has been that way and it always will be that way. The cross will always be a thing that divides. But in a great irony, God used the cross to remove a division that stood between you and him. God used that cross to make sure that there was peace between you and him. And God gives you that peace through the faith that he plants in your heart through water and the word. And the very minute that God gave you faith, the very minute that God planted that faith in your heart, Jesus called out to you and said, I want you to deny yourself. To pick up your cross and follow me. Bearing your cross in this world. Bearing the name Christian, little Christ, means that you will face division. It means that you will face persecution, be it blatant or subtle. It means that you will face opposition. You know what? That's okay. It's okay because... Your peace bearer, Jesus, the one who is seated at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us in every moment of every day that you walk this earth, he promises you that you will face that division, but that, that, that division and that opposition and that persecution will not last forever. And that cross that you cling to, that cross that you carry, that peace that Jesus gave you, the peace that Jesus gave you shows you that you are not hoping for an earthly peace where everybody gets along and everything is good. No, you are clinging to a heavenly peace. A peace that means there will come a day when none of this division and opposition will ever exist because you will be in perfect harmony and unity with one another and with God. This cross and this peace gives you every confidence that you need to stand and face a world of division day after day after day. God grant that you continue to cling to this peace, the ultimate peace that Jesus came to bring. Amen.